What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And on this show, we are joined by James uh, from Boga Hunting. And Dimitri and I talked to James a ton about uh, the upcoming rut, uh, how he approaches it, what, along with hunting uh, the highly pressured areas that he hunts over in Michigan. And we kind of talk a little bit about that here uh, of our strategy in Pennsylvania. We also get into his calling tactics uh, and a whole bunch more. So be sure to check out the guys over at Boga Hunting. Uh, thanks, James, for coming on. And I also want to thank you for your continued support. Thank you so much. Uh, please go ahead and, and uh, like and subscribe on our YouTube page. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Also on our Instagram, uh, greatly appreciate uh, all of you. And I uh, want to say thank you to all of our partners. You can check them out over at antlerupoutdoors.com from Onyx, First Light, America's Best Bowstrings, uh, and Cobra Archery and Stoker Eyes. You name it, some great people uh, that we're working with and uh, some more as well. So thank you so much uh, for your support. Make sure you check them out over at antlerupoutdoors.com and enjoy this episode with James Antler Up. Uh, man, we're back. We're we're live for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. We have James on from Boga Hunting. James, man, how you doing? Good, good, guys. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming on. And I know the the season's uh, rocking and rolling for you guys out in Michigan. It is yeah. here too in Pennsylvania. And uh, tomorrow, I don't know what what it says uh, for you, but I know like all the the deer cast stuff that's out there tomorrow looks like it's a good day. I mean, tomorrow when this airs, this will be past it, but like we're looking at October 8th. So hopefully, uh, these next couple of days, you see something either from us over at antler up or something from Boga going down this, these next couple of days. Well, let me see here a sec. You're saying, are you looking at the, uh, the hunt wise cast? Yeah, I was looking at that cast. one. I looked at that one. I looked at the jury cast, uh, you know, any, anybody that has one, I try to just put all my eggs in those baskets just to see what, what, <laughs> yeah. what, it, you know, cause I like to kind of, I, this is something too this year where we haven't really talked about it, but I've been trying to keep a log, um, Yep. And just to keep track of, you know, uh, I actually have like, okay, what did this app say? And what did I correlate to seeing in the field and all that type of stuff? So just trying to see if things line up and if I need to, you know, see how it goes, basically. Yeah, you know, I'm just looking right now by me. It says the next, so it, it, I'm looking at the HuntWise app and it's like they do, you can either put it on percentage of, for hunting, like a certain percentage, or you can put it on how many deer antlers or deer heads. Yeah. And I'm looking at the right tomorrow is a one deer day. Okay. Uh, and let's see the 21st is the next five deer day. looks like. So I do know this though. Jared is out tonight and I was out. I was actually out tonight hunting too. Um, I saw two Jared just put a shot on a doe. So I'm hoping he, he said it kind of ducked as he shot and he's wondering if he had an okay hit on it. So he's, he's giving it some time, but I think he saw like nine different dose tonight. So whatever you, wherever you got your in, info from is, is right. Cause he's starting to see some, some action. Nice. That's awesome. Well, dude, talk a little bit about, you know, who you are, you know, and uh, where you're coming from and then, you know, obviously talk about Boga as well. Yeah. So, um, Jared, uh, and I, and actually Mark, um, who handles our photography and stuff, we're, we're based in the Grand Rapids area in, in Michigan. So, um, West side of the state and, uh, I'm guessing very similar, um, hunting culture and hunting hunter numbers as a place like, like you guys are in, in, in Pennsylvania. So, uh, so very similar and, uh, yeah. And so I'm part of BOGA. We're all, all three part of BOGA. Um, so we're, uh, hunting, uh, bow hunting, um, podcast, uh, social media sites, uh, what 
appetite and things like that. I'll, I'll kind of focus on getting people um, out hunting and, and especially getting them with, with a bow in hand in the woods. That's awesome. And I think too, what, what's really cool about your guys' stuff is like you said, you cover a bunch of different things on the social media platform. Like I was able to, you know, you know, thank you. <laughs> I, I've had the opportunity to write an article for you guys to post on your blog. Yeah. Um, you know, you have a great podcast and having great guests on each week. And, you know, I, I think it's really cool to, to see, uh, you know, you even helped me out uh, once right before we started our podcast and asking you some questions. So you guys been uh, been there kind of from the beginning for us, uh, you know, looking from the outside. So, you know, appreciate what, what you and uh, Jared and Mark have done for us as, as far as getting us up and rolling with any anything that we've needed as far as the podcast is concerned. So, you know, thank you for, yeah. for, for that, man. I appreciate it. No, you guys have good stuff going on. You have good media. It looks, it looks like a, you guys do well out in uh, Pennsylvania, too. Um, I, I'm assuming we're very, very much alike. Like I said, Pennsylvania <laughs> and Michigan is, is so similar in, in how, you know, how things are when you're in the woods that, um, yeah, I feel like we're uh, especially alike in that way. Yeah, for sure. Now, James, do you guys, like, hunting out in out Michigan, are you guys mainly hunting public, private, mix of both? Like what, like what's you guys, uh, your guys is like bread and butter as far as that goes. Yeah. So historically we're almost in entirely public land, um, since, you know, for the past at least 10 years, um, Jared will get, he's on a, a, a his company leases land for when they bring in clients, uh, to hunt. So he gets, he gets a shot at hunting out there. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll hunt in my, my backwoods. I've got a couple acres. Um, it's very different than like a public land hunting. It's like a, an urban hunting. Uh, so it's, you know, the deer that you do see are totally pushed around by, you know, people mowing their lawns or, you know, kids playing in their yards. And so like, it's kind of unpredictable. Um, I have some good deer in here. I've seen some, some decent bucks. Uh, and so this year I'm, I'm going to try trying cause I haven't put a whole lot of time into this in the past, but I would like to sh uh, get a shot at a, at a buck, uh, in the back three, I call it the back three acres here at my house. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, what's, um, how many hunters are in your area in your vicinity? Uh, cause you always hear about Michigan having such a high density, uh, as far as numbers are concerned. Uh, are you constantly fighting that pressure? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many hunters in my specific area. I know it's like, I forgot how many thousand, hundred thousand in, yeah. in Michigan and, and the numbers going down. Um, but in, in our area, I mean, yeah, you're always dealing with guys. Right. And so, Anytime I go out, we'll, we'll have these chunks of public land. I mean, you're kind of just, you'll see trucks everywhere parked in certain spots. And, and so, uh, when we, Jared and I hunt, I mean, obviously we're, we're taking into consideration, you know, places deer move, but we're also taking into consideration, uh, where, where other hunters are. It's almost like an, it, it's at least equal or, or maybe more so considering where hunters are and going, actually, I would say I would, we probably focus more on where hunters are and aren't than actually, you know, prime deer locations to start. Well, that's what I know is a big challenge for us is, you know, even though we have a lot of public land, um, around us is that there's always an access somewhere in that area. So, you know, we always talk about go further, go further, get away from people. But the, the issue is, is there's, you know, you go, half a mile to three quarters of a mile. Well, there might be an access from the other way. That's not that far to get in there, you know? Right. So that makes it a lot of challenging, uh, each time going out. But just like you said, I'm starting to learn and transition into finding those pockets 
in that area that the hunters aren't going to and that's yeah. where the deer feel safe so it's almost like maybe you're not going farther you're just becoming more smarter of where the deer are going to transition and feel safer in these little pockets that a lot of hunters aren't going to yeah and you know i we, we have and we still do and i think so so we, we've had this mindset where we think we got to go farthest out the most difficult walkout and in some sense that's true and i would say probably some sense we just like to do that because it's more of an adventure right right um but if you think about hunting as like drops of ink on a paper different hunters and you know the ink hits and expands a little bit and think about that as like their little spheres all in the woods if you're able to kind of figure out where those little spheres are throughout you know however many hundred acre uh, public chunk you have and then just notice where you know they're not touching or where they're not near each other and kind of hit those little you know channels through there uh, that that's where we found the most success just kind of anticipating where people are and, and playing off them yeah, and that's been a thing for us too. Is not only looking at people, but even using some of the private uh, land that, that people own, or just looking at some of the because there's really no on in our public area. There's no crops, like there is no like bean right. fields or anything like that. But but we look at you know if there is someone that has some type of um, ag in in a field or something nearby that is private, like that's something too that we've more so have looked into recently just because, you know, we're looking in some transition ways where deer are traveling just to kind of even just see more deer. Like that's been our our biggest thing is like what is gonna give us the more opportunity to see deer. <laughs> and right. um so I, I, it's been, it's been better. And I think it's been a lot of fun just to kind of go out and scout and use those that off season to kind of set things up to have plans A through Z, because, you know, like you said, we could pull up to a spot and either somebody beat us already, or, uh, just kind of dealing with a, a blown hunt or whatever. We have a uh, more things in our back pocket to, to get after. Yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a good point. It's, you know, for us, the big thing is, um, we, we like swamps. Uh, we like muck and marsh and, you know, we've, we've got a filter in one of our, uh, the Hotwise app where you can see, um, that has like a filter that lays down, like this is an Oak Grove. This is wetland marsh. This is, you know, lowland conifers and it has all these, um, but we'll look, I mean, our, our favorite thing to do is look for islands of Oak in wetlands. Um, and just whether it be cattails or whatever, uh, in, in our experience, like no one goes out there because you have to walk through a ton of cattails, which means you either need to have waders or hip boots or you got a kayak out there. Uh, right. And usually people aren't really willing to do it. Although one of my, I had a sweet spot picked out this year. Um, super excited to go. It, it was, you know, you take a kayak through three ponds and you have to kind of cross beaver dams uh, in between the ponds. And so I'm like, this is going to be a money spot, you know, <laughs> Uh, and I'm actually like pulling up to go out and set up a trail camera and get all set up. And there are dudes that are coming back on kayaks that had just set up a tree stand and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, a trail cam, like right, literally right where I was going. So it kind of like, it made me feel like I picked a good spot, but then it's like, man, that was my, one of my really Hopeful. good rut spots. So yeah. what can you do? Yeah. Now, how has your strategy changed this year? Just because I know last year, Michigan got a lot of rain and, and the swamp and the water was a little bit high. I'm, yeah. I remember watching the hunting public and how they that really impacted the way they hunted. Now, this year, we've had a lot less rain and almost of a, a drought. Now, does that change your strategy as, at all, uh, hunting these swamps? Um, I mean, it, it certainly makes, well, 
I wouldn't say it makes it even easier to get them in because sometimes with enough water, you can just kayak in, you know? Um, and then when it's kind of half and half, you got to throw on the waders. Uh, this year we're banking on, so less water, so you can't kayak. So we've got, our big thing is going to just be rely on like hip boots and waders. I've got hip boots. And I'm wondering if I'm going to regret not getting the full waders that, that Jared got, but they're lighter so I can throw them in my pack and it's easier. Uh, but like that, that'll be our, probably our big uh, change. We're just, we'll have to walk more, but we've seen around us where, you know, I think last year the apple crop was really good and this year it's okay. Okay. Things like that. Um, but not, not a huge change. Right now, what is your, that early season philosophy as, as far as like hunting goes, James, just cause I yeah. know a lot of people are like, oh man, I'm, I'm focusing on, on doe patrol or, yeah. you know, like what, what, what is it for you and Jared as far as that goes? Well, um, the way I see it is on public land, you almost, you gotta be really aggressive for your first sit. This is at least kind of me and, and Jared's opinion, uh, which means like, first sit in a new area. I mean, there's places we'll save for doe hunting and I'm kind of in that mode right now and share this too, but your first sit in an area, um, we go in really, we go all up in their beds. We get, we get really close in and we hunt like where the bucks are. Um, and the idea is, I mean, someone else is going to maybe be there at some point. So just get there and get in. Right. And the second is like, we're, we have so many spots picked out in public land that, we go in, if we blow out the spot, that's fine. We'll get a quality couple hunts, maybe two hunts in there, one hunt, and then go to the next one. And then if it's a good spot, we'll come back in the rut and hit it again. So it's almost like, you know, you kind of figure on burning. So this, this summer, Jared and I picked out, you know, 20 or so spots each. Uh, and then we'll kind of just systematically hit those, um, until the rut. And then we'll kind of go through, you know, where we're seeing good sign. I've got a spot that, uh, that I've been watching for a couple of years that I'm going to definitely um, probably actually put out a trail camera here soon and, and just monitor it till the rut um, and leave it alone. But other than that, we go right in right away. Nice. Now are you looking for, you know, um, red oaks or white oaks and hunting over acorns or is there some other food source that you're looking at there in Michigan uh, near the swamps? Yeah. I mean, we like oak groves. We like, um, finding buck beds on either islands in, in, uh, like the cattails or on, um, points out into it. And so we'll, um, we'll figure out where that is and we'll get as close as we can to it. Um, you know, we've got a spot that we're going to actually try like a morning hunt, but I don't know if we're going to be able to get that out there early enough where we take a boat in the back and kind of hunt over their beds and wait for them to come to bed. Um, and at night we'll get, try to hug up as close as we can into uh, where they are bedded. Cause I, I think, you know, typically we don't see bucks move a whole lot in daylight, you know, in a, in a lot of October, at least here. So it's, it's like, you're going to give your best yourself the best chance to get after them if you're just close, because maybe they won't move a hundred yards before light, but maybe they move like 50 yards. And if you can be in that 50 yard window, you know, hopefully you get a shot. Right. No, that's, that's all good stuff. And talk, let's, I want to really dive into James because when this one airs, this is going to really be kind of that pre-rut rut time, like that end of October time frame, yeah. and and that's usually when you know I think for all of us that's like like we know we're right on the cusp. Like when Halloween starts getting close, you know yeah. you're going to start seeing some hammers start to drop and slip up and make all those mistakes. How do you guys transition into um, like? Cause I saw like the other day, like Jared was out doing like a little bit of an observation type sit. Um, yep. you know, do you guys do, do you guys carry that into like that, 
that pre-rut time and do you save yeah. some spots like talk a little bit about like your pre-rut uh strategies how that goes yeah it, it's interesting at least at least in, in our experience and where we are um the pre-rut here where you you just don't see a whole lot of big buck moving or at least we don't um bigger buck until you know later on in october early november um up until that point we I, i'll see a lot of like you know forks six six points little basket eights um but what we'll do is exactly kind of what you mentioned jared uh, does so so we'll start you know kind of aggressive get in there and then when, once it gets to this pre-rut time we'll start you know back and we'll hunt kind of a distance, try to get a sense of where deer are moving if they're deer in the area and, and I hunt our way towards and, and kind of key in a, a specific, uh, specific location. No, that's good stuff. Now, how much uh, consideration do you take like doe bedding or like, you know, where does, yeah. you know, congregate? Cause I know f- for me, that's something that I like, like when I go back home and this is on private land, that's something that I really key in on just because like, yeah. even right now to this day, I have a cell camera back there just because I try to like, I'm going to try to time it where I could spend a good amount of time back at home. Uh, when I start seeing some guys, you know, walking like some bucks walking on, on camera, but at the yep. moment I haven't gotten one buck on there, but man, I'm getting does just pounding. And that's an area where I know doe congregate. So I'm like, man, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not worried yet because when the time comes, I know deer will be, you know, chasing around there. How much do you guys do that as well? Like, Hey, this is a good spot. Like if it's in a week or two, you know, yep. do you guys like mark that on, on your hunt wise app and all that type of stuff? Oh yeah. We're always marking doe bedding. Um, although I would say at least for us, I don't see a whole lot of big buck activity around doe bedding until, you know, after beginning of November, right. at least, at least where we are. You know, and obviously we, we don't hunt all over the place. Um, but you know, last year we, we went, I think a little early to Wisconsin trying to hunt the, hunt the rut. Um, and here, you know, once I got back from our, our trip in Wisconsin and Michigan is when I started seeing bucks, uh, really start checking these doe areas. Now my house is a great example, right? Um, you know, we have a group of five or so does that will at any time be kind of passing through, through my property in these three acres. Now I don't see bucks at all on my land. I'll track the trail cameras out. You see crazy things at night in your woods, but I don't see bucks, right? <laughs> except, except when I get to, you know, November three and on. Yeah. Uh, suddenly you'll start seeing, you know, I had like last year I'm out hunting. I had this fork that just like loved my, my area. Um, and so he was always rolling through and he just grunted. I mean, he would literally never stop grunting, running through the woods. <laughs> um, but the thing with Michigan is we have so many does that, you know, it, it's, it's tricky to just play off that. Yeah. Like where are the does? Because, you know, a lot of times the, the bigger bucks really don't have to try hard to, you know, spread their seed. Uh, like they can find one fairly easy that's in heat. And so, you know, that's, that's a big issue I would say we have in Michigan. Um, and I know we're doing different things to try to fix that, but um, the, the better that buck to doe ratio is, the, the more intense that rut is and the more, you know, the, the more demand there is because there's less supply of does. Now, what's your strategy as far during the rut is calling? Do you guys, you know, a lot of pressure uh, here in Pennsylvania and Michigan, and some people say they like blind calling with rattling or grunting, and some people say only if they see a buck in sight will they rattle or or grunt. Uh, What's your philosophy, especially being in a high-pressured state? I always have a grunt tube, and I always have one of those – well, it's like, I feel like it's a can that's the doe bleep can, Yeah. but it's also, I feel like at one point there was a cow that you can tip over and it would make that same. Noise. <laughs> uh, 
but I, um, I don't call, I, I mean, unless I bring them with and like, I'll use them if I'm desperate and I have used them out of desperation before. Um, but I really don't use calls that much. I'll use sense more than I'll use, you know, estrus and stuff more than I'll use a call. Um, this year, actually, I have uh, one of those, um, is it McKenzie? Yeah, I think it's a McKenzie like deer that you shoot at. Yep. Uh, I'm totally bringing that out in my backwoods because I can just carry it under my arm, throw some, some urine on it. I'm going to mess around with that. But really, we, we don't mess too much with calls or, or anything like that. It's, it's mostly quiet, hit those um, pinch points, find where the does are. Uh, last year, we had um, really good success in different draws where we were hunting, where, where bucks would cruise, um, kind of the mouth of them. Um, and so we had actually Jared shot his buck last year in a draw. Um, I had, I almost had one, but I, with the trad bow, you're a little limited in, in distance. Uh, I had one almost in shooting range. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that, kind of our, that's, that's how we at least approach it. Yeah. Cause I think, man, I'm, I'm thinking back to last season when, I, like for me, my experience as far as like blind calling is concerned, I've really only had good, man, good outcomes when it's, when I know like I've seen either like a four come through, a little six coming through when I know like deer are just constantly moving. That's when right. I know I'm like, okay, I could get away with blind calling. But if I'm just doing it at the end of October or even sometimes in the early November, if I do do it, I'm getting those spikes and, and small forkers or whatever coming yeah. in. Um, but I remember last year I was actually, I shot my buck already and I was back on, um, like some public land that's that butts up against uh, some of Dimitri's land. And I saw uh, like a 10 come cruising by and I was like, well, let me get, try to get some footage of them just for, for the fun of it. And I did it doe bleep and I never do a doe bleep at like at yeah. all. And next thing you know, it like he just comes on a straight line, like coming to check things out. Um, so it was kind of cool. Like huh. just to, to see how, how that kind of works and whether you're rattling and you know, I've, there was a time where too, like same thing I saw like a small six point out, like kind of running around and just rattle the horns a little bit just to see what he would yep. do. And he comes running in. But yeah, I mean, for me, my experience as far as seeing deer is, is, is the best time that I could kind of, uh, get anything out of like blind calling as far as that concerns just because usually if I'm doing it, like I said, I'm only calling in like those spikes or right. the forks, you know, blindly. Well, and I think, well, to, you, go ahead. I, th I just think it depends, especially with mature bucks, what mood they're in. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of those big bucks that, you know, if they know that there's a lot of young bucks in and maybe you can rattle them in or, you know, maybe they're so dominant in the area that, that they know that they don't have to really mess around or come into that call. So I, I really think it's dependent because, you know, there has been times where I, I have rattled in a, a, a mature buck, uh, on public land that's been highly pressured and then you know which is a very few amount of times compared to how many times i've tried it but you know right. it, it is possible you know just depending on that mood yeah. of that that mature buck at the time but i think the chances are, are lower than what what you would realize i think we see on tv too much um <laughs> right. you know what i mean these these uh high deer density uh, ranches and, and they're grunting and, and rattling and like five bucks come in and that's just not the case here yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I don't know, you know, I, I, again, I've never, I've actually never hunted Pennsylvania. It would be fun to do that sometime, but you know, for us, if a buck is mature, he's 
not going to fall. Like he's heard a lot of grunt calls. Um, I remember hearing, um, uh, who was it? Not Dan Infault. Uh, anyway, so, so uh, somebody in Michigan talking about, um, how, you know, all, mo- most of the big bucks that he shot in Michigan have had wounds from another hunter, whether it be a broadhead or, or, you know, a chunk out of their shoulder or whatever, um, stuck in them. And so he's like, e- whatever, um, whatever deer you see, like if it's a big buck, he's, he's, he's heard a lot of calling. He smells a lot of weird scents, you know, he's kind of wise to it all. So that's, that's kind of been our philosophy, but yeah, I would love to go. I would love it if Michigan had, you know, had it where I could be calling and, and doing it more. Cause it, it just sounds like a, a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. To have that opportunity. Like I call that sucker. In. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I get, I get it, man. That's awesome. Well, you brought up about the trad stuff, James, talk a little bit about, you know, what got you into that and uh, you know, what, where are you, where are you at on that journey? Cause that's, I, I just know from hearing yeah. from, you know, whether it's the big name of Aaron Snyder or, or other people, you know, it, it just, yeah. it kind of, it's a cool, way to hear about like what gets in there and, and how they're progressing on that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's not for everybody. Um, but I've found it to be pretty, pretty enjoyable. Um, so up until I, so I've, I'm, this is my third year with a trad bow up into this, that year, I was very into, uh, bows. And by that, I mean, like I owned, I bought and sold, bows like all of them like i shot elite <laughs> matthews psc prime you know and i i just love to i love messing with them i love setting them up i love doing all that stuff um and i was getting to the point where i was you know getting pretty good with it i had the uh you know had my my set kind of dialed in and i felt like oh man i'm i could go out there if there's a you know if i get a good far shot i'm pretty comfortable out a pretty long ways and yeah. after a while i was like so sort of switching bows and like every year getting new uh you're getting a new bow it was just kind of like I could use something different. I feel like, uh, you know, going out and practicing isn't as fun because I don't know, it just kind of lost, lost appeal for me. So, you know, I had a, a cousin who was just pushing me relentlessly to, to try, 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 um, a trad bow. So I picked one up one day. I'm like, Jared, um, I'm selling all of my art, my compound stuff. I'm making a total switch. Cause if I have half and half, like the moment something goes wrong, I don't want to have, you know, something to fall back on. So right. sold all my compound bow stuff and got a trad bow. Um, started then first year I went out, I was shooting, um, uh, it's called a, a crawl, like a, a crawling aiming method. So basically like you use point on when you pull back, but you slide your hand up or down based on distances. And it kind of works almost like a, a slider single pin. If you okay. think about it. Um, and so I got a deer that year, uh, decided to switch to more of an instinctive style of shooting, which is basically the same way you would throw a, a baseball or a football. You just look at it and, and you kind of go, um, that's taken me a while to, to get up to speed. Um, so last year I missed two deer. Um, but since then have, you know, kind of been shooting all summer, um, doing a lot of small game hunting. As I say, you uh, got with, a squirrel, with, you know, today. Yeah. 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 I'm telling awesome. you getting, you throw one of those stump, those, uh, stumper thumper, whatever those little, like the rubber tips mm-hmm. on and you go shooting for squirrels. It is a great way to practice. Yeah. So I've um, been doing a lot of that and feeling, feeling pretty good. Now, can you talk a little bit of, you know, how your uh, arrow is going to change, whether it's weight or um, how that goes about with the trad bow? 
Yeah, I, I like, I mean, obviously always like a heavy area arrow. Um, I don't remember what my exact weight is right now. Um, but, you know, I have you up front, high FOC. I think I'm around 20%. Um, and so, like, I, uh, I'm trying to look up what my thing is. Uh, my total weight is... 625 grains. So I'm at 20, uh, percent FOC. Um, I'll shoot a 125 grain broadhead with a one, uh, 75 grain insert on the front. And so, I mean, for, it's worked really well for me. Um, that, that kind of heavy front end setup. Um, but I was pretty, I, I mean, I was still trying to do that with a compound bow too. It's just, you know, your spine's a little different and you right. get a little more weight. Now, what kind of broadhead do you have to use for, for that? You know, they, they don't make any expandable, uh, yeah. tra- tra- <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I've been, um, messing around with, um, with different heads, uh, like Northern broadheads. I've got some, these are these, uh, German kinetic points, uh, that I've, I have a couple They're huge. Um, but in a few days, hopefully some more, um, of the RMS cutthroat broadheads are coming out and I, I want to, um, run those this year when they, when they do come out. Yeah. Well, I think the, the trad bows are becoming more and more popular. I don't know if it's, it's just people want more of a challenge or, you know, they want something different. I, and I don't know, maybe the compound bows are getting so, uh, you know, fast and efficient that, you know, it it takes the fun out of archery, right? That's why we, we like to do it because it's a challenge and you have to get close to the animal. And, you know, you talk about now people pushing 80, 90 yards, shooting white tails out of a stand, you know, um, you know, what, that's not what we got into archery for, right? You know, so I think maybe the trad is more appealing where, you know, you, you can't push that limit that far, you know, um, you know, maybe Aaron Snyder, who, who's (laughs) even just maxing out at maybe 60 yards, you know, which is far for a trad. Yeah. I mean, 60 yards is obscene. Yeah. It's obscenely long. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's, it, it feels like a, um, very simple, um, I don't know. It's just a, a craft to learn. Um, and I like the simplicity of it. I like that. It's really, I'm totally the one that is to blame if anything goes wrong. Right. Uh, you know, there's nothing that there's no peep site. There's no kisser, but uh, kisser button. There's no, you know, not even a draw stop. And so, um, it's kind of nice to be the guy, you know, kind of responsible for how the arrow goes. And it just, I don't know. I like to be able to go outside. It's quieter. It's uh, they're, they're beautiful. Um, like, our long bows and, and recurves are just like beautiful pieces of equipment. So it's even fun to just bring them out. Um, so I, I've, as of late, just become very, uh, very much involved with, um, with trad bow stuff, um, learning to tune and to set a bow up and, and all that. And, and it's taken a while to learn, but it's, it's a, it's a ton of fun. Now, can you talk a little bit how the aiming is different? Obviously, you don't have a pin on that bow, and you know, right. um, you know, you see people shooting trad bows, and and you quite don't get how they aim in or using the tip of yep. your arrow. Can you explain that a little bit further? Yeah, so the probably the most popular method among like the new guys, the, like the cool guys these days, is uh, is like gap shooting, and so that's you use the tip of the arrow, you kind of figure out yardage. And you move the tip of your arrow up or down, below or above the uh, the target, based on how far you are. And so, the whole time you're shooting, you're kind of keeping in mind, keeping in mind the arc of your arrow um, and figuring out where on the the arc your arrow needs to hit in order to hit your your mark. Um, so that's that's the most popular. You mentioned Aaron Snyder. I think that's that's kind of how he does when he shoots out at distance. Um, 
instinctive is, is kind of what I do. And like I mentioned, it's just kind of looking at your target. Now I will say the farther away I get, the more I am cognizant of my, the tip of my arrow. But the thing about, the thing about instinctive shooting is that people say they're not really looking at the tip of their arrow, but they're my, I think they're subconsciously are looking at it and they're just subconscious is doing more of the aiming um, while your conscious is just focused on, you know, executing a shot. Yeah. So that's what I did last year. Like I said, I did kind of this, uh, this crawl uh, method uh, where you're basically, you, you mark on your finger tab, different marks, uh, where, you know, how to move your, your tab down, how far to move your tab down based on yardage. And so it was like, it was very similar to like a very crude, you know, single pin dial, uh, site. And so I did that for a while. I feel like that's hard on your limb. Everybody I, I talked to was like, that's just not the way to go. It's kind of a pain for a moving deer and kind of messing with. So, um, I switched and I, I want to get good at instinctive. So I don't need to worry about yardage. So when I'm out there, I'm just literally, you know, less gear, less worrying about that and more focused on, on just executing a shot. Yeah. Well, I, you got me kind of excited talking about Tradbo because we teach archery in our health and phys ed uh, curriculum here where I teach at. And, uh, yeah. we, we, we switch units at the end of October and archery is going to be one of them. And I, instead of maybe getting out those Genesis bows, I might just pull out all the trad bows that we have and, <laughs> and just yeah. have them go at it. That'd be pretty fun for them. Just give them the old struggle stick and, yeah. and let them have at well, it. No, it's, I remember doing it in, in gym class and you know, I don't know. That would have been, that would have been cool. I wish I would have, I wish I would have switched to trad a, a lot longer ago. Cause yeah. I feel like then I'd be that much more practiced by well, now. What's, so. what's actually funny is, uh, for, I mean, like I said, we're using those Genesis bows and I think the highest poundage bow that we have is like 19 pounds. And you'd yeah. be surprised at some of these kids that can't pull that sucker back. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my gosh. And I, what's been pretty cool is my my principals, my administration, they're really open with to me bringing my bow in, you know, because I'm bringing it in right like to that room and taking it out. Like I don't bring any broadheads, obviously, or none of that right. type of stuff. And um, so I, I actually was uh, observed by an administrator teaching it and about what we did. And I just like totally nerded out as far as like the compound bow is concerned and like the yeah. one kid was like, how, what's your poundage? And I'm like, and I, I only shoot a 65 because you know, for where we live, when it's freezing no, cold, yeah. I want to be able to pull back, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, I said 65 pounds and he's like, well, what's this one? I'm like, that's 19. <laughs> he's like, Oh my <laughs> gosh. You know, it's just funny to see. And I'm like, well, I'm like the cams. I said, there's a lot that goes into it and stuff. And, uh, I said, you know, for another day we can nerd out about that, but it's, it's just cool. Cause nice. then we do have a few that, you know, that kids do hunt or they're like, Hey, do we have any of those trad bows? And we do. So, yeah. um, I, I definitely, I think, you know, I, I want to get them out cause then I can mess around with it too and just see how probably awful I am at it, which will be, will be, yeah. you, you know, like you said, the competitive nature in me will be like, man, I want to try this now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, it, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. Right. But yeah. it's not terribly hard. Yeah. Like, it's not like it took me months to hit, hit the target. Like you, you shot a bow before you, you have the, the, the gist of it down. Um, uh, it doesn't take too terribly long where you're, you're again, your subconscious, like does these kind of things really well. You throw a baseball without thinking about it all the time. I'm sure as a, as a gym coach yes. or a gym teacher. Uh, and so I don't know, like it, it is hard and you have to get closer and you know, there's a lot of more things that, that can go wrong, but, um, but it's still, it's not impossible. It's, and it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I want to kind of 
you know, bring things back around a little bit too about like where you guys are going for, for this upcoming season. And, you know, for this past season, as far as like the off season is concerned for scouting wise, did you guys uh, deploy any trail cameras and how are you guys relying on those for, for right now? Yeah, we, um, so this year we're going to be doing a lot of hunting in Michigan. Um, we've got some spots around the area. And then um, in December, we're going to be doing a, a whitetail and bear hunt out in West Virginia. So we'll be oh, coming nice. semi wow. close to you yeah. out east. Um, but um, in the off season this year, uh, it's primarily scouting new areas. So what we'll do is we'll, you know, one year, this I'll take the last year as an example. I, I found a, a really cool spot. Um, spent the entire year kind of having trail cameras out, got some bucks on camera, um, getting a sense of, you know, how they move. Um, even on a, on a rainy day during the season, I like, I stalked out there, it was in the swamp and I, I got up on a couple bucks out in the swamp and kind of made note of it. And, and then just kind of let it be after that I hunted it twice last year. Um, now this year, since I scouted that last year, I'm, I'm really not doing too much with it. Um, I've got a general sense of the type of deer in the area. You know, it, it, this hunting public land is, is different than private land where it's like, I'm not naming deer. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I'll maybe I'll, you know, I'll maybe see some and maybe out there'll be a, a, maybe a deer that I name cause I see them all the time. But for the most part, I'm just looking for sign and, you know, certain things that indicate a big buck's been there. So, you know, the height of a rub or the size of a track or actual sightings. And then, you know, so I don't, this year I didn't scout out there. I didn't go out. I, don't see too many people out there because it's either a very long walk one way to get in and um it's gets kind of thick at the end um or it's a really long walk to get in the back end of it so um but that's kind of our our strategy let's spend a you know a year kind of figuring it out then bank it and then use your that time next year to to find a new spot so you can just start banking up uh, a ton of different areas to hunt that you know well well that's what i don't know if you guys have the same problem but sometimes when we're scouting summer into fall, you know, we're putting trail cameras out and we're on public land. So we're not putting them out for a long period of time just because we're afraid of pressure and getting them stolen, but we'll get several nice bucks on camera, but they're in velvet, you know, they're doing their summer range. And, And what happens is we pull those cameras, we get the Intel. And then it seems like, we don't know what's going to happen with those bucks, you know, just because yep. on public land and, you know, hunting big timber where there's not a lot of ag fields, you know, those buck easily could, you know, shed that velvet, split up and, you know, they're going to go to their home, new home range for the fall and, you know, they're looking for feed and you don't know where the feed's going to be quite yet. Right. And, you know, do you have that same problem and, and how do you usually oh, yeah. handle that? Yeah, no, that's, that happens you know, every year. Um, so our, our, I mean, our our big thing is to just know that, you know, by the time hunting season starts, they're not going to be where you got, you know, your August, even September trail, trail camp picks. So we'll play off, you know, natural browse in the woods. Um, we love the white Oaks. Um, sometimes you'll find like an old apple tree uh, out in the woods. And, you know, we, we, a lot of times I'll be hunting on public land and they, there must be a lot of uh, old oak groves in the area that I, a couple of the areas I go to. So I'll find like an apple tree out in the woods. Um, and if it's producing kind of mark that. And other than that, you know, we'll do these kind of speed scouting missions where we'll just go and find fresh sign and then hunt it, you know? Um, and, that's really it. I know there are guys like, uh, the hunting public guys will do like, uh, you know, bump a deer and then set up bump and dump. Um, but we'll, well, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of do something like that where we'll, 
we'll go and just try to figure out where are they and then immediately hunted. Um, and that, that's worked fairly well for us. It's just like you said, with so much pressure, with so much, so many places for them to go, um, you, you have to just look for, for sign at that point. Cause there's really other, at least that we've found no, no other real good way to do it. Yeah. Well, and to James, what I like too, you guys have been doing it. It seems like for, for quite some time now is, uh, the, understanding the importance of being mobile. And I know you guys have, have yeah. transitioned to the saddle. Uh, that's something that I'm personally doing. And, you know, even this is my first time doing it. And within, uh, three different sits now, I mean, I've, I've love it. I love it. And, oh, yeah. um, it, I obviously, you know, for some people it's not for them and, and some people they, I, you know, they tried or whatever, but I feel like not only could you get in really any tree, uh, but the comfort obviously, but, uh, it, that quietly and efficiently to get set up, um, you know, talk a little bit about how that's played a, a role, uh, for you, especially hunting, like where you do. Yeah. Yeah. That it's been huge. So, um, we started in saddles last year was our first year. And, uh, up until that point, I had spent five years of exclusively hunting on the ground. Um, I was big into ground hunting, uh, and I still do a ton of, ton of ground hunting. The, the reason being is cause you can get out there, you can sneak up, you're quiet. Um, you, you get in places that I don't know, I feel like deer never really expect you to be, but the mobile side was huge. You know, I can just literally walk out light, quiet, get in. And then I'm, I have the ability to adjust as I see fit. And, and lots of times, and if you guys have ever done it, lots of times you're on the ground, you see something, you're able to get up, move, and then, you know, get yep. into position for a shot, which, you know, Jared and I have done that a bit. So, um, once we got introduced to saddles, it was like, well, you know, I, I didn't spend too much time in, you know, um, like a climber or a ladder or hang on stand. It's been a while since I was in the air, but I, I tried it out. And, you know, like I said, it being so light and so, uh, easy to set up, uh, it's, it's totally worth it. I, I know you guys, um, it looks, did you guys do the uh, rope mod system as well on your, yeah. your stuff? Yeah. It should, yeah that, I mean, just that, all that is such a game changer. <laughs> it's quiet. Yep. It's light. It's, it's not messy. You know, it's, it's easy to keep everything together. Yep. It's quick. Yeah. That's, that's, quick. The, yep. that's the thing that I just find it is the, you know, I even, I talked to my dad about it the other day and, and I just said to him, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I could get up and just, even if I take my time, I could get up yeah. still at a decent uh, height. Like I'm at least 19, 20, 21 feet, depending on the tree, if I'm able to climb up a little bit without putting yeah. my first stick. And I, I said to him, I'm like, I take my time. I'm super quiet. I said, and I, it, it feels like it takes me no time. Um, yeah. And uh, the other night, our the first night of our opening season on Saturday for us, it was October 3rd. And the wind was perfect. It was blowing in my face. And we knew where the deer were going to come up. And uh, all of a sudden I heard something behind me. And I thought it was the yeah. squirrel and chipmunk that, that, you know, that's worse kind of making the noise and about a minute or two go by again. And I'm like, I turn and look and there's this doe like directly behind me. And I'm like, what the hell are yeah. you doing? And you came straight down when you're like right there where my wind, yeah. it's just blowing. And I just slowly turned and, uh, I got the camera on her and she was looking herself and I said, all right, if she does this, like makes that move to turn a little bit, I'll try to grab my bow because it was a, uh, a huge shot opportunity it was actually wide open. Like she right. I was, I was blown cover right? because I was in good cover where I thought they were going to come, but I was in bad cover if they were coming behind me. And yeah. 
she ended up kind of turning and I was going to reach for my bow and she just like mosey her away kind of in, in the opposite direction. And, um, but I was just, I, I was just floored by the, the fact like where I was, she looked up at me, but didn't really pay any attention. Uh, like, like kind of was looking like, what is that? Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Just because I was kind of sideways, like my back was still kind of to her. And I'm like, I kind of give the little bit of credit to, to the saddle, because like I said, my, my wind was blowing right to her, but I wasn't facing her. I wasn't moving. Like it wasn't the whole tree stand yeah. look, if that makes sense. Well, I think, yeah, I totally agree. I've had that several times. Um, last year, actually almost the, you know, the buck I was talking about in a draw. I mean, I, I wasn't even all the way up in my tree stand yet. Yeah. Um, I was still climbing up and I, I see him. So I'm like, crap, I'm, I guess I'm just going to keep moving and I'd keep setting up. Um, but you can do it so quietly that, I mean, they don't, they don't know if you do it nice and slow and they're not, they're not looking. Um, but also I think a big thing about the saddle is your angle off the tree. You can, first of all, keep the tree in front of you. So you're peeking around, you're using that as cover. But I think, and I could be wrong and Jared and I have debated this, but like your angle coming off the tree, you're not an, a, a 90 degree angle. Right? right. Right. And in the woods, like that sticks out so much that 90 degree angle coming off a tree. And I feel like if I notice it, a deer who spends their whole life, you know, in that area of the woods is going to notice it too. So I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, I have had same experience where I'm moving around. Like I'm in there, I kind of, I'm getting my stuff set up and I look down and there's, you know, three, three dose like right behind me. Right. Um, and, and they didn't run, they didn't do anything. So that was like, that was one of the first sits I had with it. And after that, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm pretty sold on this. Yeah. That's, and kind of like that even brings up a point, an important point for me, because I'm thinking that was a mature doe. She was, you know, a, she would have right. been a nice trophy doe basically. And I'm, she's seen hunters back there way like tons of times. And she didn't blow. Like I said, she just kind of looked the other way and was like, okay, I'm just going to go this way and walked and did not blow at me. Didn't do anything. And again, like, I texted Dimitri. I was like, dude, I just had a doe. She surprised me, came right behind me, had no shot opportunity. And, um, and, and it just kind of floored me. Like now that you bring that up, just because I'm like, you yeah. know what? Like she probably has never seen. She probably just thought you were a branch coming off that yeah. tree at a 45 yeah. degree angle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty awesome, man. Now here's one thing that I want to ask you just because, you know, we're, we're trying to balance it. We're trying to get better at it as well. As far as content is concerned, how do you guys mm -hmm. go about, you know, uh, you, you said your buddy Mark is, is mainly doing the, you know, obviously he hunts and does a lot of your, your, uh, photography and stuff yep. for you guys. Do you guys go out together, like filming hunts, photography, like, like, like yeah. all that type of stuff. How do you guys manage that? It's tough. You know, it, it's tough with, we all have kids, you know, we all have full-time jobs. Um, so to get us all out in the same place at the same time is hard. Um, and so a lot of times it means Jared and I will take a camera out and Mark will edit. And it turns out you can, you know, do a lot in the editing room because you can make some of our stuff look pretty nice. Even the other day I sent him <laughs> just garbage pictures. I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, but you know, we need something. And so he was really gracious about it. Really nice. But he turned one out he's like, no, this is about, this is, you know, what I can do. And it turned out really nice. He did, did a fine job, but that's kind of how we do it. Um, it's just like somehow document what you're doing. Yeah. Um, my favorite way is, is through like our stories, you know, the Instagram story feature. I, I love following people that way. I feel like it's a little bit more raw and you can, can kind of do it in the moment, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of our approach to it. No, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's just because you always want to feel like your audience is there with you. And I think that's the biggest thing. And 
what you capture is, is, is when you look at those stories, you know, sometimes you almost feel like you're there, you know, whether it's a video yeah. or, you know, sometimes a picture just captures, you know, one incident of that moment. But when you can kind of either it's a video or a story and you're talking about it and, you know, um, you, you almost get excited with that person, you know, and that's what oh, really yeah. people want to see. Well, you're at work. You want to be hunting. You might as well watch somebody else. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Instead of getting pissed off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's what, uh, even the other day, uh, I don't know if you follow James, uh, Clint Casper, do you know him? He lives in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he just shot a, a monster tank of a buck already. Uh, and then just came home from, I think Utah, uh, or Colorado. I can't remember which, which state he shot a, a beautiful bull elk and I was following along on his storyline and you could just tell he was getting beat up. You know what I mean? Like he was just like, man, it's, it's rough. It's rough. And I saw him post a couple of times. Like, I just keep telling myself, I got to believe, I got to believe, you know, he, he kind of, you could tell he was hitting that edge of like losing his mind. And then yeah. the one he goes, okay, I'm, I'm running down here. He's running. You could see the film on it. Like in the story, he goes, I heard a bull bugling. And then the next video was him just like freaking out that he shot this yeah. monster bull. And it was just like, it was so, it was so cool. Like you never met the guy, but like you're so jacked for him because you know, for us, it was our first trip out West and we know what like mentally daunting and, you know, it, it could be in a mental game because yeah. of, you know, the unknowns. Uh, and it was just really cool to, to see that. And I agree, you know, I, I like that. Like you said, you could kind of follow along on that and like we're, we film, uh, well, we try to film and, uh, obviously trying to get the photography also along with it. It's, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. And, and I think, uh, you know, for what we are doing as far as the podcast, like for you guys as well, it's, we need that content. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. if, if we don't have it, it's then what are, then, you know, there <laughs> we're no good. Um, so it's tough, man. And, and I think, uh, there's a lot of good people doing it. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really neat to see. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun to follow along. It's fun to just, I don't know. So in the short time that we've been doing our podcast, it's, it's been cool to see and to learn the different ways people hunt yeah. Um, yeah. and get it done. It's like, man, you know, some of the guys we talked to out East, farther East, even than you guys, um, like they're, they're Island hopping in the ocean, you know, to, you know, guys out West who are spot and stock glass and, to, you know, guys in the swamp and, uh, it, it's, it's just fun to see, you know, what ways, um, what ways people hunt. Actually lately I've been reading old hunting books just to see, just to learn about like different ways people did it. I'm reading, a, a Theodore Roosevelt, one of his, uh, books on hunting. And it's, it's just cool to see how like even a guy, you know, that long ago uh, was doing it. It's, it's fun. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm with you. Well, that's what I even think doing this podcast is, you know, there's not going to be one person that's going to tell you to hunt this way and then you're going to be successful. You know, it, right. it's, it, you're talking to several people and you're going to just nitpick. It's like, well, that's going to work for me or this is going to work for me. And then you just piece it together. And, and, you know, there's no perfect hunter out there, you know, even, even the best guys out there that are shooting mature bucks year to year, but they're still learning from somebody else yeah. how to be better. And, you know, and I think sometimes a lot of people get frustrated, especially new hunters that, you know, you know, why aren't I shooting his big bucks? Or, you know, if I hunt exactly like him that I'll, I'll be better. Well, probably in some ways you will be better, but you know, you got to take information and learn every year, year after year yep. and, and, and grow as a hunter and, and just keep at it, you know, and, and that's how you're going to be successful year after year. 
Yeah, it's exactly just kind of figure out what works for you. And and sometimes the, some of the most fun Jared and I have had is just kind of what's a what's a way that we do it that we can be different. Like what, yeah. what can we find our own little you know secret way of doing it, our special way of doing it, or what what's our style? Um, and that's that in itself has just kind of been fun. Um, and it, and it kind of gets you thinking more creatively, uh, because you know, there's tons of ways to do it and, um, there's no limit to, uh, you know, styles or approaches. And, and I don't know, for me, at least that's been a whole lot of fun learning, uh, from people and then taking little bits of, of what we learn and, and putting it into practice ourselves. Hopefully at some time, my hope is if we do enough podcasts, I become a master hunter. <laughs> I, I, I like, I've learned enough from everybody on the podcast that, yep. you know, I do really doing this selfishly. It's, it's really to make me uh, better. Uh, and so far it's uh, not working so well. I'm a slow learner. So yeah. that aren't we all, man? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, there's some guys out there that just year after year hunt public land, go to new areas and, and then they're just shooting these monsters, you know, it's just crazy yeah. to, you know, you almost want to pick their brain of some people just have the, the niche for it too. You know, they, yeah. they just go and, and they know what to look for and, and they're killing big bucks. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. If they find a, a certain way and some guys are just, you know, killers myself included, you know, I I'm told that all the time. Jared tells me since he's not here, like, how can I be more like you? You know, what, what do I, what do I do to be more like you, James, to be the master hunter that you are? <laughs> I try to stay humble, but you know, it, it's tough when, when Jared is constantly praising you, but like he, he tends to do with me, you know? <laughs> so, so James, to wrap this up today, you know, year after year, everyone talks about the rot and, and this is probably when this episode's going to air. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people just like you, just like us are everyday working people you know, so we have limited time to hunt. So if you were hunting the rut and you probably hear this question a lot, what day if, or maybe a couple of days in a row, would you take off if you had limited time to hunt the rut? Limited time to hunt the rut. Um, so in Michigan, the opener is November 15, which this year it looks like it falls on a Sunday. So I would, I like, little bit later so i've i've had a lot of success on the seventh um my best buck i shot on the seventh i shot one uh on october 30 i would say my favorite time though is probably the 10th through the 14th like that little section in november that's that's what i like yeah last year for me dimitri was early dimitri was like 26 to 26 of october i was november 8th i believe and this year november 8th is actually a uh, a Sunday here in Pennsylvania and it's not the Sunday that we're able to hunt, uh, the next week or the next Sunday is, um, so I'm kind of putting my eggs in the basket of the 13, 14, 15, 16th yeah. time frame. Uh, and actually you, it's still open <laughs> that week for us. Cause in years past, it would normally be, be done. Uh, but we got a whole extra week, uh, here in our nice. tree for, for PA. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome this year. So, um, Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you for coming on. And, you yeah. know, what, uh, just to kind of to, uh, you know, you talked about West Virginia, you got Michigan, are you guys going anywhere else this year? Uh, we're talking about it. Yeah. We're, we're looking at going somewhere, maybe Ohio or Wisconsin or Indiana, or maybe, uh, you know, different parts of Michigan that we've not been to yet. Somewhere in the, the Great Lakes region. Um, just, you never know. Sometimes yeah. I, I, I get a wild hair. I'm like, Jared, <laughs> this weekend, let's go to Wisconsin. So you, you never know. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, where could people find you and, and Boga and, and all that type of stuff? 
Yeah. So, um, Instagram Boga hunting, um, Google Boga hunting. If we got a website and stuff, uh, that's where you can find podcasts. If you just type in Google, uh, Boga hunting into your computer, you'll be on the right track. Yep. For sure. Awesome. James. Well, thank you for coming on, man. I pr- greatly appreciate it. Uh, those of you listening, thank you for the support. Make sure you go follow everybody over at Boga hunting and until uh, next time antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thanks for listening. Good luck out there. The rut's upon us. Man, hopefully uh, I can't wait to see uh, some pictures of you guys knocking them down. So uh, thanks for the support. Till next time, Antler Up.